Is it possible the war of Gog of Magog, outlined in Ezekiel 38 and 39, becomes the most dramatic moment of Muslim conversions to faith in Jesus in well over 14 centuries? What about the timing of this war? Is it before or during the tribulation? Is it before or after the rapture of the church? Could this war be the precursor to the signing of the peace treaty with Israel? Join us now as we drill down investigating modern day headlines right alongside the book of Ezekiel and the world's next great war, Gog of Magog. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Hello, this is Mark Russick. You're listening to The Russick Outlook. Today we're going to be continuing, I should say, our investigation into Ezekiel's prophecy of the world's next great war, which is the war of Gog of Magog outlined in Ezekiel's chapter 38 and 39. In our first two sections, we gave you, uh, a, a, um, well, the first section, I should say, a, a summary, and then we dug a little bit more into it in the second section. But essentially, if you're listening to this for the first time, we're talking about a coalition of nations that will gather uh, predominantly from the north of Israel. We're speaking mostly of Russia, Iran, uh, called Persia in in this instance, as well as um, modern-day Turkey, or at least, you know, uh, sections of it, if not all of it, what we're calling the Stan countries, southern Russia, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, potentially Afghanistan. Um, as well as the Sudan and Libya uh, and potentially, you know, some others. Um, so that's really what we've been investigating. It's And what we're looking a little bit more deeply into is the geopolitical climate uh, of the past 50 years. And what I'm saying, there are situations in modern day uh, politics that have aligned itself, if you will, to really what the Word of God says will happen in, in the end days or uh, near the end of days, which is what this is classified as. Um, if, if you're watching this uh, um, with some uh, pictures of cities on this, in case you didn't know, these are capitals and large cities of the nations that are, are involved. Uh, so we're talking about Moscow and, and we're talking about Istanbul, um, Tehran, uh, we're talking about Tripoli and and, and others. The uh, the triangular shape uh, that's Nur Sultan of, of Kazakhstan, uh, and and uh, the the Sudan is covered here as well as well as obviously the city of Jerusalem, which most people would recognize with the Western Wall and the Dome of the Rock. Uh, if you like subjects like this, where we investigate. And in this instance, uh, we're looking at modern day headlines by that, you know, f- past 50 years or so and comparing it to what the word of God says. And, and, and as I always say, bottom line for me is I'm always looking for truth. What is the truth and how can we verify it one way or another? So in this instance, since this is clearly what is on the horizon and we see the, the climate, so many things that the Lord uh, um, had prophesied and others had said, things around us that would be coming uh, uh, or happening before his return. And we see that this is uh, a war that will happen either right before the tribulation or right after. And we're going to investigate that here. I personally believe it's going to happen right before the tribulation. Um, But the Bible isn't 
you know, dead on, spot on in terms of when this will happen. But again, as always, you know, we want to look into what the word says. And there are some clues in there, I believe, that show or support the case that this would happen just prior uh, to the tribulation, prior to the rapture. Uh, so we're going to we're going to investigate that. Listen, if you enjoy subjects like this, please hit the like or subscribe button. We're on uh, the U- we're on the YouTube. We're on YouTube um, as, as well as most social media platforms. You can find us We're on all of the different podcast platforms. Uh, we have uh, um, uh, a platform called Anchor, which releases this to all, all the different uh, um Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and, and, and so many others. And we're very grateful to them, obviously. Uh, so if you can, you know, we, we, we really appreciate hitting like or subscribe. It helps us get into the algorithms to get the word out uh, and, and hopefully point people into the direction. And there's, you know, I would say people who are looking for truth. I believe most people, if not all people, ultimately want truth. Uh, you know, f- for their own sake, for their own satisfaction. And that's what we're trying to, to get here. So on, on that note, um, just a quick refresher. We, we covered uh, what had happened in the 60s and the 70s uh, in, in terms of the wars that were in uh, Israel and around Israel, nations that attacked them in 67 and 73, how it was imperative that they capture the land of the Golan Heights, uh, capture it back, I should say, um, as well as East Jerusalem, because those things need to be in place in order for Ezekiel's prophecy to come to pass. Then we looked at the Iranian Revolution and how that really caused the shift of the superpowers where you had such a large influence of the United States, France, and Britain in Iran in the 60s and the 70s. And then that's flipped where uh, Russia and China, we're going to touch on that a little bit here, uh, even though that this prophecy doesn't mention the kings of the East, there's a development here that I think uh, needs to be mentioned, and, and we'll talk about things. In, in this instance, we're going to be looking at uh, some of the predominant nations We're going to, in terms of what's happening today. And by today, I mean 2021. I'm recording this in April of 2021. I'm talking about uh, February, March, April. Uh, we'll be looking into Russia, Iran, um, uh, Israel, obviously, and, and a little bit of the United States because of the influence or the relationship the United States has with Israel. Uh, and, and, you know, those are the predominant players. So this is what we're going to be doing. I, I, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, let, let's, look at, let's get this baby started. So Russia, um, as, as we've discussed in the past, we're talking about a, a leader of Russia, and, and the reason I'm, I have uh, Vladimir Putin on, on the left, if this were to happen today, that would be an example of, of the leader that, that the Lord speaks about uh, who will lead this uh, coalition of nations from, from Russia. Uh, whether that turns out to be uh, Mr. Putin, I don't know. And I've said this many times, I'm not in the game of uh, guessing game of dates, but if this happens today, uh, that's what, what that's what would go on. I don't see anything directly correlating over the past couple of months with the nation of Israel, but there are some things that could cause a potential shakeup, and it's it's really major developments, and it's happening in Europe. Uh, so you know how this could play or not play into into things in terms of the war of Gog of Magog. I'm not sure. I'm not really sure. 
uh, and it may have nothing to do with it. But it, let, me, let, let me just very briefly say this involves the Ukraine. For those uh, people who are aware of, you know, very recent history, 2014, Russia uh, um, attacked and, and claimed Crimea, uh, which is a port. And, and you can see that on the map uh, of, of southern Ukraine. Uh, it was once, you know, an area as well as the Ukraine uh, of Russia, of the former USSR. Um, but right now, what's happening is Ukraine is trying and has been attempting to get into NATO. Uh, so you, you've got a big standoff. So that was 2014. But as we speak today, within the last week, two weeks, uh, three weeks, massive troop buildup on the Ukrainian border. Um, so it's, it's causing a, a, a real tension in the air with NATO and Western Europe. Uh, just today, as I'm recording this, uh, Britain is sending in battleships or warships into the Black Sea. Uh, so how Russia will respond, we're, you know, we're, we're not sure. I'm showing you some, uh, an image here of President Zelensky of Ukraine appealing to the, uh, to the NATO to kind of speed up the process to getting them in. And then I'd also like to mention there's great tension in the United States between President uh, Biden and uh, President Putin. Uh, they, they've had, you know, some very verbal conf conflicts uh, in the press. President uh, Biden accusing uh, President uh, Putin of inv or involving Russia in our American elections. Um, there, there's just been a, a, a pretty tense situation, if you will. And we just found out the other day uh, on April 17th that the Russian fleet is imposing a naval blockade on the Ukraine, not allowing any ships to pass through up until um, October of 2021. And at the same time, uh, the United States is considering sending warships to the Black Sea. But as I said, Britain released that information, I believe, hours ago. So there, there you have the current situation with Russia. When we look at Israel, I'm going to come back to Russia as well because there is an economic development that impacts Russia um, and Israel that could very well, I believe, pave the way. So we'll get into that. So next we're going to be looking at the nation of Iran, or as, as the Bible says, Persia. Uh, it's no secret that uh, Iran and Israel are staunch enemies with one another that uh, Iran, for as far back as I can remember, uh, at, at least going back to the Islamic Revolution, that they wanted to wipe Israel off the face of the map. That is part of their mantra. Um, the, a lot of the uh, controversy, if you will, that, that, that is focused today is centered around the uh, nuclear deal that was struck between the United States and many Western European nations in 2015 under President Obama, uh, which was basically a bribe, a cash deal, uh, you know, to slow down the development of your nuke program. Israel, obviously very concerned and a staunch opponent of it, uh, jump over to the Trump administration. They negated the deal. And now we're back to the Biden administration. And they're trying to kind of pick up where uh, or, or follow the lead, I should say, of what the uh, former President Obama's policies were in regard to this. So they're trying to get this deal back on the table. Iran is um, uh, kind of you know, pushed back on them saying, uh, you release all of the sanctions against us and then we'll come to the table. 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a negotiation ploy at this point. Um, but obviously, this is something that the Biden administration is trying to make happen. Um, there is, uh, you know, very close suggestions and reasonable suggestions of the Obama's influence in the Biden administration. Um, if not, and some people say it's, it's direct influence or insertion of, of policies coming from former President Obama. But, you know, you can just look at uh, uh, President Biden's staff, and it's no secret that, you know, a lot of the, the people that were around back then in the prior administration are serving him now. So I point to the uh, top left, the nuclear scientist, the chief nuclear scientist, uh, Moshen Fakhrizadeh. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He was assassinated at the end of last year by uh, some Israeli spies, and this is really kind of escalated the, the situation. Um, in the lower left, I have a, a picture of Congress. The Republican Congress is kind of fighting back on President Biden getting involved in this deal because it was never really a, a, a legal arrangement as far as American law is concerned because the Obama administration had gone around Congress uh, knowing that he couldn't get their support. So he struck the deal. So there's there's, there's some uh, legal issues, but anyway, uh, the Republicans are fighting back. Whether that happens or not remains to be seen, uh, but we'll get into, I'm going to show you in the next slide, some other tensions that are causing problems with America, Iran, and Israel. Um, you, you have some uh, strikes that have been going back and forth, back and forth between different uh, tankers and different ships. In, in and around uh, the area, whether it's in the Mediterranean or whether it's uh, um, uh, in the Arabian Sea. Um, so th this has been in the news. This has been constant back and forth, back and forth. Then if you jump over to, you look at the third column here, if you're following me on video, uh, the United Nations uh, atomic wa watchdog concluded that Iran is now enriching uranium with a fourth cascade of advanced IR-2M centrifuges at its underground facility in Natanz. Interestingly enough, within the last week, there was a, um, an explosion in Natanz where they lost power, and the consensus is that this was uh, an intelligence attack on the Natanz facility by the Iranians, I'm sorry, by the Israelis, and obviously the Iranians believe that's the case too. So again, there's a lot of situations where these tensions are being escalated. Uh, you know, it's just going back and forth. You can read papers or uh, online every day, particularly if you're looking at things that would show what's happening uh, in the Middle East. In other words, your news sources highlighting that. Uh, it's almost on a daily basis, if not several times a day. I mean, that's how fast this thing is, is escalating. Uh, on the right, I show... Uh, North Korea. And the reason I'm showing North Korea is they have an influence with Iran. They're helping them. They're assisting them in developing their nuclear program. On the lower right, uh, I'm showing Lebanon because that is on the verge of collapse. Uh, there, there is economic and, and financial ruin there. Uh, you know, most people know about the explosion that ha happened in Beirut last year. But Hezbollah, that is one of the chief proxies of the Iranians. And, uh, you know, they are responsible for terror activity and they have a lot of their infrastructure in place in Lebanon. 
So, uh, you know, we, we need to be watching out for that. Uh, and, and I'll get into that in a minute with some of the other things that, that they're developing. But, all, you know, all of that to say, if you look at Iran, uh, of what's going on today, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really ratcheting up in a very, very significant and potentially dangerous area. Part of the problem, I think, is sometimes we get a little bit um, null or, or a little bit... Um, uh, I forget what the word I want is, but you know we 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 get lulled to sleep, if you will. There was another word I was thinking of. I couldn't come up with it. But you know, you if you constantly constantly see these headlines and hear this, you become uh, almost deaf to to what's going on. But my point here is, you could have something very simple kick off an uh, an escalation of war that the world has never seen. I mean, it's that close. So you know, these are things to look out for. So next, I'd like to talk about China. Uh, and, and although they're not mentioned per se, they are considered uh, to be the kings of the East mentioned in Revelation for the war that will involve, uh, uh, wars, I should say, that, that will happen uh, during the tribulation. But what happened here over the past several weeks is um, uh, uh, China signed a deal with Iran where they're going to inject $400 billion over 25 years, $400 billion. And, you know, what happened or why this happens at this time is, is very interesting. So you know, the deal in and of itself, if you look at it from a high-level perspective, we're talking about um, an exchange of um, economic infrastructure and, and programs that China will assist with in Iran for the return of oil. Uh, China is very much dependent upon Middle East and foreign oil. 60% of their reserves uh, comes from outside uh, f foreign areas. And at the same time, um, this gives Iran a great deal of relief from the economic hardship that was imposed upon them because of what the former Trump administration had done by getting out of the nuclear deal and imposing economic sanctions with uh, many other Western European nations. So uh, Iran was really being crippled, and the you know the intent was to get them to the negotiation table. Uh, but now that you have President Biden in, he's trying to get them to the negotiation table without any type of incentives. Um, but at any rate, so uh, there's a gentleman named Wang Yi. He's the Chinese foreign minister. Uh, at the same time, he came to Iran, I believe it was late March, um, sealed this deal. Uh, he's also visited with Turkey, Saudi Arabia, and the UAE, which are strategic nations and allies of the United States and the West. Turkey is, is a very interesting co uh, country in of itself in their political stances. They're obviously a, a Muslim nation, um, and they've not ex exactly had good relations with, with Israel, but they have cordial, I should say. Um, they they do do have exchanges, but uh, they, they they remind me of somebody who's trying to sit on both sides of the fence because they are in in NATO, but at the same time they're they're also uh, strategically positioned with Russia, perhaps China, and uh, you know and some other adversaries of Israel. Uh, the other aspect of this is Iran wants to control and dominate the Middle East. Uh, they have proxy wars. They have their uh, insurgents. They have different organizations in Syria, Yemen. They control Lebanon. They're undermining the government now in Iraq. 
So any, if any headway was felt that the Americans made in Iraq, the Iranians are trying to undermine that. Um, so if we look at, and if you consider where Syria and Lebanon is, just directly north of Israel, um, and most people know about uh, the West Bank, and Yemen, which is uh, right by Saudi Arabia, they're also, Saudi Arabia and, and, and Iran are very strong enemies of one another. So all that to say, uh, Iran has been uh, supporting economically, militarily, uh, uh, these organizations uh, in, for Hezbollah in Syria, Lebanon, Hamas in, in Gaza, the West Bank, mostly Gaza, and then the Houthis, which is the organization in Yemen. Uh, so these are very, very tense situations. The other thing is, and this is really developing over the past several days, Lebanon is almost considered a foregone conclusion to collapse. So here I sit April 19th, and Hezbollah is preparing for this right now, and they have been. They have the, uh, uh, or, or they've sent in, Iran has sent in to Hezbollah leadership uh, food stamps, medical supplies, and fuel to have on the ready. Should the nation collapse, then they will come in as the vacuum or the, 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 um, the leader to deliver things that are very much needed. If I, I, I saw a video the other day that just broke my heart of a large supermarket in Beirut that people were, uh, they, they, they ran out of cooking oil and they're running out of so much food. If you look at uh, pictures and articles that are going on today, they're desperate for a, a lot of the staples that we consider normal in, in our everyday lives. But it caused a mass riot, riot I'm sorry, uh, and, and people just throwing things, uh, just completely destroying the place, going after one another, uh, you know, really uh, violently escalating the situation where it was, it was sad. You know, it unfortunately reminded me of some of the riots that I saw this past summer in the United States where, you know, businesses were turned over and pillaged and, uh, you know, that was what was going on there. And what happens is when people become desperate, uh, you know, you all bets are off, let's just say it that way. So there's, there's a lot that's happening in Iran, in the Middle East, all around Israel, all around um, you know, the neighbors of that surrounding area. And then last, I'll just mention very briefly, now that China's in formally with Iran, they are now petitioning the United States and other leading uh, Western European countries to drop the sanctions on behalf of Iran. So, you know, they're, they're, they're flexing their muscle to help them. On the lower left, I just mentioned, I show you on the map, North Korea, China, Russia, Iran, um, that they're, they're, they're moving forward to, to be the leader uh, in the coming world government. Let's put it that way. So last, I want to just cover, up, uh, cover on Israel here today. Uh, you know, what's going on um, let, let's go first to the elections. So if you're watching this on video, I, you see that April 6th, Israel swears in the 24th Knesset amidst threats of a fifth election. The abbreviated version of this is uh, Israel's had four elections in two years. Uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, he won, but by, you know, he still does not have enough of a majority. I'm going to probably simplify this, in, in, oversimplify it, but the Israeli Knesset has 120 seats. So for a majority, for government to be effective, you need to have control of 61 seats. Unlike 
the United States, where I'm from, you know, you've got two major parties. There you've got five, six, seven parties. Uh, and, and so there's a splintering. Uh, I believe uh, Mr. Netanyahu gathered some, some around 31, 32, 33. He's made some arrangements with some other parties that have also gotten some seats. I think, you know, he may be in the 50s. Uh, but still not there for a majority government. And the problem is this could lead to a fifth election. So what's going on is there's a great deal of instability in, in Israel right now, in, in the uh, leadership um, uh, posts, if you will, and the decision-making for uh, economic decisions, social decisions, foreign policy decisions, things like that. Um, the former ambassador, Michael Warren, who I, I just happen to like a lot, I just think he's a pretty smart guy, uh, he, he mentioned uh, just within the past several weeks that Israel's prolonged political instability is having a detrimental impact on the country's security. Uh, the world is looking at us and finding us a little bit laughable, and given our strategic concerns, that's a prohibitive price to pay. So even in Israel, they're, they're very much concerned. I know a lot of the citizens... Are, are, are they're kind of disgusted that they can't get beyond this. And this has been, like I said, two years in the making. Now, to compound that, uh, Mr. Biden, or President Biden, is now publicly stating to endorse a two-state solution. So where you had uh, the leader of the United States and President Trump um, kind of staying out of that, but, you know, and by, by at least well, his statement, his policy was, let them make their own decisions, meaning the Israelis and the Palestinians. Um, but uh, uh, President Biden's continuing the, the, the former policy of, of President Obama and many other presidents before him of endorsing a two-state solution. He's also come up with uh, $250 million in economic aid. So this could be considered a slap in the face to the, to the Israelis, you know, to, depending on how you look at it. But the problem is... Uh, if we're supporting a two-state solution, we're in violation against what the Word of God says, because there will never be a two-state solution that that could last. I don't. I don't think at this point there ever will be. Period. I just think we've we've passed that uh, that point in history. Um, so the other thing, well, two other areas I'd like to touch on. If you look at the far right very quickly. There, there appears to be some very similar strategies from the Obama to the Biden. Um, most people, objectively, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, can concede that there was not a good relationship between Mr. Obama and Mr. Netanyahu. Um, they, uh, um, they were involved in the, uh, obviously, in the Iranian negotiations, which didn't sit over well with, with them. So one of the strategies that was bought out was in 2012, uh, the Israelis were trying to get an airfield uh, space into Azerbaijan, which is right by uh, Iran. Long story short, um, the Obama administration re uh, leaked this information um, uh, intentionally to offset uh, the Israelis they, because the, the strategic importance of this is if you wanted to have a plane fly over to Iran and back, they didn't have the, enough fuel to do that. They needed to land and refuel, and this airspace or this airfield for their airspace would have been ideal. Uh, so it looked like the Obama administration intentionally blew that up. 
so there was a lot of that back and forth. And it could be that we're seeing a similar policy here where there was an escalation uh, with the Islamic Revolutionary Guard that the um, there was an under they, they, they flew a tanker that uh, under a um, a civilian flag, if you will, uh, off the coast of Yemen and and the Israelis took it out. And the Biden administration released that to the press, letting them know that it was, in fact, the Israelis. So, you know, there's those tensions that are going on. Uh, there was eco-terrorism on March 4th. Is Iran came into the coast of uh, the Mediterranean, un- unleashed a whole bunch of oil. And then the last thing, just real quickly, I, I, in the middle of the page on the bottom, King Abdullah of Jordan uh, just uh, um, was able to successfully stifle uh, a, an attempt, an attempted coup by his stepbrother and 16 other security agents involved in, in the administration there. Uh, and the reason this is so important is because of the, the uh, uh, geographical proximity right next door. They're neighbors to, to Israel. They're also, they also have a good relationship. You know, not a great one, I don't think, you know, any there, there is any great one because, you know, you're still dealing with some hostility between the Muslims and the Jews. But he has been, to my estimation, a tremendous, courageous reformer. Um, he, he struck to keep peace. They exchanged security information, the Egyptians, the, the Jordanians, and the Israelis. He's also in a very, very difficult spot because he has taken in over 1,000 Syrian refugees from the ISIS uh, um, crisis, uh, you know, that, that happened and, and what's been going on in Syria. So if that were to succeed, and the reports are that this was a foreign influence that was attempting to take them down, that could have a devastating effect uh, effect on, on Israel too. Because if you think about um, if, if the Iranians were involved in this, I'm not saying they are, I have no reason to believe that they are, I have no information. I'm just kind of pointing out the the frailty that, of what's going on around them. But if they were, you know, and then you couple that with their influx into Iran and Syria, then all of a sudden, you know, Israel is really uh, uh, surrounded by hardcore, deep-seated hatred, anti-Semitic, I want to wipe you off the face of the map. Uh, type hatred. So that's what's going on. Those are the three uh, key areas or three key players, I would say, in what will be that's just kind of bringing you up to speed. And these things have been really ramping up pretty significantly over the past six weeks, eight weeks, where you can almost see a daily occurrence of events. So I, I, you know, my thing is keep paying attention, keep watching it. Uh, you know, I, ha- I have some other information here. You can see some quotes by the defense minister. Uh, you, you see some things that are happening, uh, uh, that the Israeli Defense Force is finalizing targets and strike packages to fight uh, um, Hezbollah and Iran. Uh, the Israeli Defense Force reports that they have, or the uh, Iranians have thousands of rockets uh, of um, targeted at Israeli uh, civilian targets in, in Israel right now. They're aware of that. Uh, so this is, this is heavy-duty stuff. It's, it's, it's happening right now. And these reports, again, coming out March, April of 2021. Uh, couple that with the United States is, is really a pretty 
weak and unreliable partner to Israel and the Arabian Gulf nations. The other sad aspect is the uh, out of the Abraham Accords, it looks like the Biden administration is kind of backing off of that. Uh, there was a report that came out in uh, World Israel News in March that stated that uh, Saudi Arabia is eager to see uh, Netanyahu become victorious in those elections. So, you know, he was, but he wasn't, you know, and we've explained why. So let me just kind of close this area real quick. There's a very significant strategic development that will give you some of the potential reasoning behind how this war could break out. So Russia supplies a great deal of Europe and, and other locations, but predominantly Western Europe and other areas of Eastern Europe with oil. They have, that is, they have a vast reservoir. They have the pipelines uh, um, centered right, right into there. Uh, a, a big recipient of that is Germany, Germany, and then there's some offshoot pipelines from there. Uh, but that has to, a lot of economic stability or added a lot of economic stability for Russia. So what happened was over the, I think it was in 2017, there was a pretty significant um, natural gas discovery uh, in Israel, in and around that area. And, and just real quick, what Israel is preparing to do, and they are doing, they have put in a pipeline already to Cyprus, to Greece, and to Italy uh, to supply them with natural gas. So this becomes a direct competitor to Russia. So, you know, Russia wants to, in, 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 in terms of Ezekiel, they want to take over uh, um, Israel for a lot of the resources that they have and economically as, as well as the strategic location um, to all of the, the major continents. Uh, but now they're a direct competitor to their energy and heating oil. Also, the Dead Sea has 1.1 billion chemicals billion with a B, uh, fertilizers, medicines, technology. There's so many resources that are there. So, you know, keep paying attention. I have some things here posted on the right. W you know, will these tensions between Iran and the U.S. continue? Absolutely. No question about it. Uh, does that mean tensions between Iran and Israel will continue to increase? Absolutely. We're talking about the big Satan and the little Satan in the eyes of, of, of Iran. Um, and, and I believe, I'm not sure if I mentioned this, let me just take a little bit of a detour. Iran, unlike other um, adversaries, welcomes war, welcomes uh, um, chaos because they believe, according to their uh, Shia Islamic end-time eschatology, that this is necessary in order to usher in the return of the Mahdi or the 12th Imam. So unlike a China or a Russia that maybe, you know, hesitates before getting involved, you know, in war and very uh, thought that they, they walk these situations out, if you will, um, where Iran would love for Israel to attack, where they can get engaged in an all-out war because they believe that that meets their false religion. So, you know, that's another reason that they're even even more dangerous. Uh, so could this uh, lead to war predicted in Ezekiel 38? I absolutely believe it can. And uh, could this lead to the seven-year covenant with the Antichrist, which we know is the beginning of the tribulation? And I say absolutely, and I'll show you why in a second. So on that note, I think what can happen out of this, and we've 
we've described this in great detail, how the Lord is going to uh, miraculously salvage or, or become victorious and defeat the enemy nations in Israel. I think this is an incredible opportunity uh, to spread the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Muslim nations. I see this as an opportunity for uh, a mass conversion from uh, Muslims to Jews. This is just my opinion. That and a token will get you uptown. Uh, but I want to fast jump down to the first yellow highlight if you're following me on uh, video. He wants them to see his glory and his mercy. That's in uh, 3921. It says, I will set my glory among the nations and all the nations will see my judgment, which I have executed and, which, and my hand, which I have laid on them. So notice that he's saying that all the nations and all the nations will see his glory and power. Remember, the whole world is going to have eyes on this. This is why I say it's the world's next great war, that everybody will be seeing this, and they will see the supernatural development and the supernatural hand of God on Israel. So when the, and I'm near the bottom in the yellow highlight, when the God of Israel destroys these Islamic and Russian military forces supernaturally, Muslims will be watching this on live TV on on their on their phones on their uh, on their tablets on Al Jazeera network and what happens when they are reading the Quran and that they see that the god of Abraham Isaac and Joseph defeated the the uh, the leaders of Muhammad who they consider the true prophet so i'm just you know i'm saying kind of shift your paradigm for a second Think about how what their reaction would be. Think if you're in their shoes and they witness this and they see all this. This could very easily, in my opinion, turn to a tremendous move of, of the Holy Spirit, where uh, you know you 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 will see the a mass conversion um, and, and a, a pretty significant change of developments. So on the bottom, I have the War of Gog of Magog just may well turn out to be the most dramatic moment of Muslims converting to faith in, in Jesus in the 14th centuries since this religion w w was first birthed. So, you know, something to consider. Getting near the end. So will the War of Gog of Magog happen before or after the rapture? And, and as I said before, we don't know. Um, Tim LaHaye, who many people are familiar with, wrote uh, um, Left Behind. It, in, in his estimation, it happens before the rapture, the way he laid things out. And I happen to, to agree. Uh, I'm going to follow again with the, uh, with the uh, yellow highlights on the left if you're following me on video. Um, in Matthew 24:14, Jesus says, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. We also know from Ezekiel that God will use the war of Gog of Magog to display his glory to all nations and to pour out his Holy Spirit, particularly on the nation of Israel. A dramatic and spiritual awakening will occur around the globe. There's no question. It will be consistent with God's heart for humanity and that he would cause this moment to occur before the rapture. Uh, think about, and, and I, I've talked about this Previously, it's, it's, you know, you can find this anywhere, the doctrine of imminence, which many Christians go by, which means Jesus can come at any moment. Be prepared. It can happen at any time. And there's, you know, a lot to support that. Uh, so th that, that is, you know, if you, if you think about that, that could set the stage. So the, the, 
the clearest evidence, I believe, of the truth of, of what we're seeing in, in terms of looking towards the end times, looking towards Jesus, is the rebirth of Israel. That is what I call the super sign. Uh, but this major prophetic event was foretold in Ezekiel 36, 37, before the, the rapture. It, 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 in other words, it seems to go sequentially. So thus, it's certainly possible in other events, such as Ezekiel 38 and 39, that it happens before the rapture. I can't say with certainty, and I'm not pretending to. This is just my take, my estimation when I, when I look at this. Um, Ezekiel says that the war of Gog of Magog will happen in the last days. Doesn't that, by definition, mean it will happen during the seven years of tribulation? Absolutely not. When we say the last days, we're, we're talking about uh, the, the, the close proximity to doesn't necessarily mean you're in the tribulation. Uh, I, I will say, you know, people talk about the end of days. The end of days started with the resurrection of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, and the clock began. Uh, but as we get closer and we see so many signs, and, and, and people are familiar with this, so Ezekiel 38, 16 does, does say that these events will happen in the last days, but it's not necessarily limited to the, tri- the period of tribulation. Also, Ezekiel 39 indicates that after the supernatural destruction of Israel's enemies, the people of Israel will gather up and burn the weapons for seven years. Now think about that. How can they be burning weapons for seven years if they're being attacked in the tribulation? Remember, the tribulation, even if you go for three and a half years of of safety, uh, you still have the remaining three and a half years. So it doesn't line up. So this is why I, you know, I, I see this and I go, yeah, I, 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 it's just another sign to me that this would happen in the, uh, in, in just before the, what I think will happen is just before the rapture of the church. Because if you see this and if you see so many people coming to the Lord, then you see the rapture of the church, then it, you know, it, it, it could be the tribulation. That's how I see it. Uh, thank God the Lord is way smarter and wiser than I am, but you know he leaves he leaves these things for us to to evaluate. So let me close with this Matthew twenty four thirty six concerning that day and hour followers of Jesus. Does, uh, I'm sorry, concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, uh, but the Father only. So we don't know the day or the hour, but followers of Jesus will know the season. Where are we now? We're, we're in that church age right before uh, the, the rapture. Whether that means the war would happen or not, we're getting close. What I have here uh, on the left is the ecclesia, which is the governance of, of the body of Christ, the church, the global church, not talking about denominations. Uh, so there are many in the church that feel like we're on the verge of a Red Sea moment, that the hand of the Lord will will move supernaturally and it will lead into uh, an, an outpouring of Holy Spirit, which, you know, I believe, but how that manifests, I don't know. And there's many different people have many different thoughts on it. So that's why I put the question mark. Um, we, you know, we don't know how the Lord w- will, will move in order to accomplish his, his goals. We have some ideas, we have some direction, and it's always for good, no matter what it is. And in judgment, there is good. And, and remember that the Lord lays these things out prophetically to give us advance warning. So then we see the war of Gog and Magog happening right before the rapture, which then gets into the tribulation. Again, you can flip some of these 
around a little bit, but that's how I believe it, it will it will play out. And I also strongly, strongly believe when I, I have a deep-rooted confidence that the War of Gog of Magog will be the precursor to the peace treaty for the Third Temple. Because again, the world will see that the hand of God is on the Israelis. They'll want to get peace. They'll want to drive peace. So that's it. I'd like to thank you for joining us. This concludes the three-part series of the next great war, the War of Gog of Magog. I hope you enjoyed it. We covered a lot of ground here. Um, And as always, questions, comments, suggestions, I'm all ears. Please email me, russicoutlook at gmail.com. If you have a prayer request, a concern, anything, just email me. More than happy to answer as best I can. And if I don't know the answer, I'll tell you. Or if I need to research something, I will, I, I, I will do that. Uh, again, I hope to see you on the, uh, on the flip side where we're going to be continuing the certainty of the second coming. We're going to start looking at, next at the book of Revelation, uh, which is John's vision of eternity, uh, what we're calling from Patmos to heaven, uh, where, where John received the vision of Revelation on the island of Patmos. So I hope to see you there. I hope to hear you there, however you want to say it. But thank you very, very much. God bless you. And this is Mark Russick. You've been listening to the Russick Outlook. And as always, just my opinion.